What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt and I, tight, quick, dense, very tech-heavy. It was a great rip. Sorry again, three weeks in a row uh, with no with no Thursday rip. Did a Friday today, getting out a little bit late, but we're here every week. We're every week. We're here every week, freaks. We we come, we do it. We'll be back on our regular scheduled Thursdays next week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being patient. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App sells you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats. We're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standards. 100 million sats and one whole Bitcoin. You want to buy a whole Bitcoin, you don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You can buy whole stats, stack whole sats. Instead, Cash App makes it very easy. You can DCA into sats. You can set price targets where you want to stack sats now. Uh, they have their boost program. It can be your bank account. It's a dope app. New bank great team love everything they're doing they've been great supporters of us and we in turn support them i do use the cash card every day this rip or excuse me if you haven't downloaded the cash app yet make sure you do so using the code stacking sats it's s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at owls lacrosse that's owls lacrosse owls lacrosse this rip was also brought to you by good friends at unchained capital unchained Another incredible company in the space. They've got a new website. It's Unchained.com. Unchained-Capital will redirect you to Unchained.com. They are leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to bring a collaborative custody model to the world. You want to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. You don't want to hold all your coins on an exchange. You don't want to hold all of them in a single sig. Uh, they, They could either be confiscated by the government on the exchange or a single sig wallet you you if you fuck up if you have human ever error uh, you could lose your bitcoins forever that's why unchain is here you're bringing their vault program uh their product excuse me that is a collaborative custody model it's a two or three multi-sig where you hold two keys unchain holds one you can always move your utxos in and out of the vault by yourself i actually did it yesterday by myself uh, uh with those two keys that you have if you're ever in a pinch, Unchained is there to be that second in the two or three multi-sig signature. Uh, they've got a white glove concierge service for anybody who wants to get onboarding to this and maybe a bit nervous. It comes with multiple video conference calls, uh, multiple explanations of how multi-sig works, how their Vault product works specifically. They're going to send you a couple of hardware wallets, have you get them set up and have their uh, seed phrases backed up properly. And then you're going to set up your Vault and they're going to dump a thousand cut bucks worth of sats into the vault if you tell them the tftc sent you you're going to get 50 dollars off that package again they're going to walk you through everything video conference calls they're going to get you comfortable and they're going to dump sats into your multi-sig vault so go check that out unchained.com uh tell them the tftc sent you and they're also doing free consultations if you just want to learn more and aren't aren't comfortable with with diving straight into that whole package right away this rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals owning hash rate around the world. You go to compassmining.io, you can buy ASICs. They're offering ASICs. Uh, they also have partners, partnerships excuse me, with hosting facilities with competitive electricity rates. So if you don't want to mine at home with your expensive electricity and you want to get cheaper, more profitable electricity, they have these hosting relationships. You can get your miner, have it plugged in at the hosting facility, and they'll stream the sats directly to a wallet of your choice. They also have their at home mining package as well if you want to mine at home you want to take it upon yourself be fully sovereign uh, they're offering the ability to buy asics again get them delivered to your home and then they have a support desk on top of that who will walk you through setting up your asics getting connected to a pool and all the cool stuff that comes along with mining at home they're, they're there to support you so go to compassmining.io to check all this out we have a special link in the show notes if you want to su- support the show that link uh, allows you to do that um 
Compass Mining. Check them out. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains is the team behind Slush Pool, the oldest running mining pool in the world. They've mined 1.25 million Bitcoins since their inception. Uh, Brains uh, acquired a majority stake in 2013, acquired the rest of that stake last year. Uh, not only do they operate Slush Pool, but they also operate Brains uh, auto tuning firmware, which is going to get you more sats for your hash. Uh, and, and so they have the brains auto tuning firmware, you download it onto your ASICs and it makes it more efficient. They basically have found a way to find the, the hashing chips that are, have a higher frequency and therefore get you more hashes to send to the pool and the lower frequency, um, uh, chips that, that don't allow you to do that. And they, they sort of fine tune, they auto tune to focus on the higher frequency parts of the ASIC and so that you can get more sats. And I've seen uh, testimonials of people running brains on their S9s and other devices, uh, and it, it really works. You're really going to get more sats. You're going to get more oomph, oomph for your ASIC, okay? Uh, on top of that, they've got a, a ton of uh, resources on their blog. It's brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash blog. Learn about mining. They have profitability tools. And on the top of that, they're hiring. So if you're a Rust, a Rust developer, system admin, uh, and you're you're interested in the mining space, this is one of the fucking top teams in the space. I would love to work for them if I was smart enough. Unfortunately, I am not. Hopefully you are. And if you are and you're looking to get into the space, Brains is a Bitcoin-focused company that I highly recommend. Go check out everything they're doing at Brains. Again, that's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Uh and if you want to follow them on Twitter, where they're posting deep dive threads into the mining industry, one of which they dropped today, uh, go to at brains underscore systems. Enjoy this rip, freaks. Very dense. It's happening, baby. It's happening. Bitcoin is winning from all angles, whether it be human rights, the energy sector, the financial sector. Bitcoin is taking over. Enjoy the ride. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here with our good friend Matt O'Dell. It's a Friday. Third week in a row. We're not recording on Thursday. We're both tired. Matt, how are you? You know, it's uh, I'm exhausted, but I, we can't miss Rabbit Hole Recap, that's for sure. Right. Uh, I think next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled, regularly scheduled programming. I've been in the middle of a move this week. Moving van just showed up this morning a week late. So that's where I were a little delayed today. Matt has been spreading the Bitcoin privacy love across the country. We're in Miami and, and Nashville this week. How's, how was that? Yeah, I was at the Oslo Freedom Forum by the Human Rights Foundation in Miami first. Um, this was a really special event. Met activists from around the world fighting for human rights. We uh, taught them some Bitcoin knowledge. Um, 
when I first started working with Alex Gladstein at uh, our boy Gladstein, Chief Strategy Officer of the Human Rights Foundation, 2019, we taught a bunch of activists in like a small room, like a small classroom. And this time there was actually two years later, fast forward two years later, and the Oslo Freedom Forum is their main event that they do annually. And we had a Gladstein put together a full Bitcoin Academy track on the, on the side. So they had their normal Oslo Freedom Forum programming, which I suggest we have links in the show notes to it. Um, I suggest people go and watch and not, not even, I mean, there's links to the Bitcoin Academy videos as well, but to link to the actual, to, to view the actual presentations by the activists, because it's, it's truly moving stories. Um, I mean, it really puts everything into perspective. It's uh, these people are fighting for human rights around the world, backs up against the wall. You know, Bitcoiners talk about like, oh, maybe I'm like, if I, if I try and use Bitcoin privacy techniques, like I might put a target on my back. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, these people, there's like people talking about being thrown in jail 40 times, 50 times, brothers go missing. They don't know, you know, the parents get killed. They can't go back to their home country without fear of, of, of getting killed or jailed. And um, just, it was, it was, it was really dark but it was really moving, you know, and it was, it was a true inspiration and it was, it was an honor to be a part of that event. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Alex uh, was actually in Austin. He's in Austin today. He was here last night as well. There's a, a Texas blockchain association event happening in Austin right now. Alex flew in for that. Uh, I was speaking with him last night. He was describing it. Um, sorry, I got my son crying in the background. Uh, and he said it was it's the point i'm trying to make here it's like crazy bitcoiners are full throttle right now traveling like you did miami you did nashville last night you did a bitcoin and privacy panel with stefan lavera and and um ptc kite is that his name Bitkite. Bitkite, yeah um and here in texas today i'm not at the event obviously because i had the moving man show up so i wasn't able to attend the actual event as it's going on right now, but I will be at the after party tonight. I was at the pre-party last night, and then there's just a bunch of Bitcoiners here in Austin shilling uh, Bitcoin uh, and energy. I believe Ted Cruz gave a very moving speech about uh, Bitcoin mining on flared gas and, and the potential for Texas to be a leader in the Bitcoin movement. So it's really interesting to observe how hard Bitcoiners are going right now to, to get Bitcoin into the hands and minds as many of as many people as possible. Uh, we had a human rights activists in Miami earlier this week, and here in Texas, we we have energy industry folks and politicians. Um, There's it, it a really concerted effort and a really powerful effort by Bitcoiners uh, in all aspects of life right now to, to really highlight why Bitcoin is important and how it can help the world. It's just a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, man, we need it more now more than ever. You know? Right. Yeah. There's there is no other option. Yeah. There is no alternative. Bitcoin Tina, where are you? I miss you. Uh with that being said, I'll add uh I did an interview with uh the Barstool Chicago guys yesterday. Uh so that's another thing I said at the beginning of this year. As the Bitcoin price goes up, obviously Bitcoin's gonna be on the minds of a lot of people outside of our Bitcoin bubble and uh, in, in the greater pop culture scene. And so uh, if we want to get good information, I think it's important to 
to get on on these other shows and these other audiences and, and give a Bitcoin perspective uh, that we would deem probably uh, more worthy than some crypto guy getting out there and shilling uh, the promise of blockchain technology and smart contracting. So look out for that when next that Tuesday. Next Tuesday, next Red, Redline Radio will be on podcast platform near you. And I believe it'll be on YouTube, which is about to censor uh, or de- demonetize anybody that, that, that is a quote-unquote climate change denier. So we don't ever monetize on YouTube. I don't think we've ever made a dime. Nope. Um, but uh, we're certainly not going to make make one in the future, to probably because of me. Um, Did they announce that? Is that a public announcement? Yeah, in December they're going to start demonetizing. Uh, uh, quote whatever, unquote. fuck, fuck YouTube, BitcoinTV.com, let's go. <laughs> How did the live stream work last night? That was Bitcoin TV live stream, yeah. correct? Yeah, we live streamed it through Bitcoin TV. It, uh, it worked well. Oh yeah, hell yeah. We got to start doing RHR live stream through there. Dude, uh, the, I agree. The new, uh, the Nashville Bitcoiners meetup, man. We had like 120 people there. Massive turnout for month number two. Um, love to see it. Just like all these meetups springing up. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, when I was in Nashville last week, we just missed each other uh, for that live podcast with Peter and Preston Pish. Sold out. Vibes were high. There's something in the air, freaks. There's something in the air. You smell that? <laughs> smells like freedom. And on that note, we'll turn to Clark's dashboard. The current price of Bitcoin is $54,280. One cuck buck is going to get you 1,843 sats. We're at a $1.02 trillion market cap. We are currently at block height 704,105. Uh, Where else are we going here? We've got the small screen today. We are. Liquid sidechain has 3,297.08 BTC on it. Interesting. We're going to talk about liquid today. They had a bit of a kerfuffle earlier this week. Uh, we are, can't find it, 1,495 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, which of this moment is estimated to be a negative 3% adjustment uh, on October 18th. And that is because blocks are coming in at 10 minutes and 19 seconds on average since the last adjustment which happened between now and the last time we met here on this dirty corner of the internet last wednesday um and so between now and then we had a upward difficulty adjustment of 4.7 percent um hash rates coming back i was wrong hand up hand up hash rates coming back much quicker than i expected after the, the uh, fucking vengeance man <laughs> right it's uh it's very uh, nice to see and there are 12,644 transactions in Clark's mempool. And I will say from personal experience, yesterday I sent two Bitcoin transactions and I, I was in a bit of a hurry. And so I, I, I used Blue Wallet and Trezor to send these, these transactions. And I used their fast estimate and it took longer than expected for my, my uh, transactions to get included into a block. Um, so... Starting it, to feel the 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 fee FOMO, or am I going to get yeah, my face yeah, again? I think, I think there is a bit. I was just say at least this week, at least yesterday, specifically yesterday, uh, there was a bit of a, a fee market developing, if you will. Let's check the estimated next block fees. They are looks like ten sets per byte. Pending predicted next block is. Uh, about 0.11 BTC. 
So 11 million sats in fees. Not, not, not too crazy. Uh, we just got Sam, used to the one sat per byte next block. Right. Samurai hitting new all-time highs, 4,254.82 BTC, or 230.6 million cuck bucks worth of unspent capacity value. Quarter of a billion. All-time right. high in both U.S. dollar terms and uh, Bitcoin terms. Pamp it. Pamp it. Were you talking about Samurai last night on that panel? Yeah, I wonder how much the Sparrow Wallet Whirlpool integration is is pumping it too, because that yeah. integration is clean as fuck. It's really really nice. Yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit, right? Like this is a very unique way to create a circular Bitcoin economy that is profitable, right? Like Sparrow is making money by providing that Whirlpool liquidity, correct? Yeah, the way Samurai set up Whirlpool was they set it up in a way that other wallets can plug into the same Whirlpool coordinator. Um, so they share a liquidity pool. So if you use any client that uses Whirlpool shares the same uh, group of users that are doing these collaborative transactions together. Um, so instead of competing with each other, they share the users of both get better privacy because more users are using it, right? That's a key aspect of privacy in general, but also with Bitcoin privacy, right? That, you know, privacy loves company. You, you need to have uh, the, the more people you have using a privacy technology, uh, the better privacy you get. Cause you, you don't want, if like only, you know, I'm going to be hyperbolic, but if you only have like 10 people using it, then those 10 people are, are very obvious, right? It's like, okay, those are the 10 people using, uh, coin joint transactions. Um, but the way they designed it is so that any wallet can plug it in and then they split the fee. So if you use Sparrow, uh, part of the fee goes to Sparrow and part of the fee goes to Samurai every time you do the coin joint transactions. Yeah. And you've said, I believe in the last week that Sparrow has become your new favorite desktop wallet. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I, even without the coin join, it's, it's my, my favorite wallet, but with the coin join, it's the first wallet where you can uh, directly in the graphical user interface direct without going into command line or anything do um, easy mix directly to cold storage. Uh, it already has full multi-sig support. It supports all the different uh, QR code signer ones that are air gap signers. Um, so you can literally set up a multi-sig wallet, uh, connect it to your own Electrum node or Bitcoin core node, or you can use a public Electrum node if you want, but you should really use your own node. Um, and you set up a multi-sig wallet and then you can pick how many rounds of coin joins you want in whirlpool you know coin joins are um you only pay on entry and so remixing is free so you pick how many remixes you want and once it hits a certain amount of remixes it'll just automatically send to your multi-sig cold storage uh which is a super desirable feature it's something i've been hoping for for a while so you uh, pre-sign that well no the beauty of it is right like like uh your master public key for the multi-sig is, is on Sparrow wallet. So you don't even need, you're just receiving to multi-sig. You don't have to actually sign with your multi-sig. So you can have a geographically distributed multi-sig with keys all around the world. And the only part that's hot is the coin join wallet. And the yeah, so that, that, that's what I'm asking. It. So that, how does it automatically send you? So you pre-sign when you pre-mix? No, you just tell the wallet to, and the wallet knows the addresses of the multi-sig wallet, right? Because okay because it's already, it's already up, you know, you already, you've already set up your multi-sig on Sparrow. So it knows, it knows the next address to send to there, just pulls an address and then automatically sends it. 
because the the coin joint side's a hot wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool. Also, like, I mean, me and you, like, you remember like how how difficult it is, like how, how difficult historically it is to like connect an Electrum node, um, yes. to connect to your own Electrum server, or even or like a friend if you're trying to do like the Uncle Jim model where a friend is hosting it. Um, so they have a Sparrow has Tor built into it. So all you need to do is if you have, uh, I, I like Electrus the best, Electrum Rust server. If you have an Electrum Rust server on your address, all you have to do is paste it in the required field. That's it. And you just press go. And anywhere around the world, you can connect to that Electrum node through Tor without setting up anything on your route or anything. So you can give it to friends or whatever. They can use your Electrum node. Um, super easy setup. It's amazing how clean it is. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to the team at Sparrow, team at Samurai, pushing this stuff forward. Um, when I get my desk set up here, my desk arrived broken, so I need to go buy a new one. Um, that's that's the desktop wallet I'm going to begin playing around with. All right, let's jump into the list. Starting with disclosures, Coinbase came out uh, within the week and announced that uh, earlier this year, 6,000 of their customers uh, were were compromised due to a 2FA flaw. Uh, this was reported on Bleeping Computer, uh, and it just highlights another reason why you should not keep your, your Bitcoins on uh, third-party custodians, like exchanges, and especially Coinbase. Coinbase, like this this 2FA system that they have is, is, is pretty irresponsible, uh, especially well, considering how long they've been around. I mean, a key aspect here, there's two key aspects. Uh, first of all, I read your bent on the subject and it was it's a common misconception. You know, this was SMS two-factor issue, but it wasn't SIM swapped. Their users didn't get SIM swapped, which is the usual way that these these SMS two-factors, text message-based two-factor authentication codes get compromised, right? You, you swap, you, you SIM swap, uh, you like basically steal someone's phone number and then you receive the text and then you sign in. Coinbase had a bug on their side, so it, it didn't even, you could just get around. You even, swap. Yeah, you didn't even have to SIM swap them. So first of all, they didn't get SIM swapped. Uh, this was a really bad bug. That's on me. Um, don't worry, a lot of people got confused because you know how it is. We see so many people get SIM swapped. You see SMS two-factor bug and you just assume uh, it was a SIM swap. Um, and then the second thing is, so some people lost funds, right? The hackers got full access to the accounts. Uh, it was between March and May 20th. Um, Coinbase said they're, they're refunding any users who lost money due to the bug. So they're like accepting responsibility in that respect. Um, it's kind of, it's been a while, like May 20th was when they said it stopped. So I, I assume they figured it out in late May and stopped it. But they only announced it now, which is, you know, kind of irresponsible. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, also, like that was during the period when they were IPOing. Like, I think April they <laughs> yeah. IPOed. So, like, it started in March and ended after the IPO. Um, but the second thing is, they had the hackers had full access to the account, so uh, they had full access to withdrawal history, transaction history, all withdrawal. Ad- addresses, you know, all deposits, uh, potentially like bank account information. So 
personal addresses, like home addresses. Uh, so if, to me, and, and like Coinbase just kind of glossed over it, to me, the, the bigger, you know, the bigger loss here for users was privacy. It wasn't the funds because the funds got returned to them. Yeah, it's uh, just another another data point, a long line of data points of Coinbase being somewhat clumsy, uh, arguably irresponsible. Uh, and, and is this a product of lack of focus because they're they're adding a bunch of shit coins and they don't have enough people on their security team? They're they're more worried about adding shit coins and, and supporting those chains. I would argue it's probably certainly uh certainly additive to the situation certainly a contributing factor right yeah like um, another thing you don't have on the list which is uh probably should be mentioned too is the switch or excuse me twitch uh data breach apparently hackers got access to a shit ton of information including uh financial information on on users that were monetizing their twitch accounts yeah but i i think did they get they didn't actually get personal information besides uh, like the amount of payments they received. Is that it? The main, what I read, the main, the main thing uh, was like a bunch of Twitch, like unreleased code and stuff got taken. Like they're going to release a steam competitor, but, but supposedly it's uh, the, the leaks are ongoing. Like they were like, this is leak number one. So maybe it was really, really bad. Um, in, in both cases, right. It's just a perfect example of why, you know, these companies should be trying to collect as little information as possible, uh, because it's very difficult to secure and oftentimes gets hacked or leaked. Um, and in the case of Coinbase, I mean, it's another example of how KYC is so dangerous to law abiding users. Um, these just transacting like lists of Bitcoiners and all their transaction history and all their personal information. Um, and it doesn't stop criminals, you know, it's, uh, criminals get around it. They either buy, um, they buy real KYC info or stolen KYC info and they, they're able to, to use all these platforms fine. Uh, but law abiding users get, get the brunt end of the stick. Super frustrating. Very frustrating. Criminals are always going to criminal freaks. They don't care about KYC AML. We're going to get around it. Um, rolling along with uh, disclosures, bugs, whatever it may be. Like I mentioned earlier, Liquid uh, had a bit of a disruption earlier this week. They had a planned hard fork upgrade. They were going to uh, upgrade to, this, well, they did eventually upgrade to this Dynamic Federations, DynaFed as they're calling it. It's a feature on the Lightning Network. Uh, they had a problem where they're during that hard fork where uh, the functionaries, the, the you said lightning, you meant uh, liquid, liquid, right? liquid, excuse me. Yeah. Liquid, not lightning. Um, the lightning also has a CVE bug that we're going to talk about. Um, but liquid then nah, during the hard fork, um, the, the, I guess they're, they're calling them, what do they call them? Cosigners or, uh, what are they calling them? Functionaries functionaries yeah, the federation the, members. Yeah. The federation members, they, they were unable to produce blocks, uh, they discovered the bug uh, and sent out a patch to all the functionaries. It's funny in this uh, in this liquid blog post diagnosing the uh, and describing what happened. Uh, and they they sort of try to highlight this as a as a product of, of 
relative decentralization of of the functionaries. Uh, so it was down for about 22 hours, correct? Liquid was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been pretty distracted because it happened while I was at Oslo Freedom Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, basic premise, the, my understanding was so like Liquid previously, you couldn't easily change who the functionaries were. So Liquid is this federated system. You basically have, you know, all these like almost like super nodes like running on the network. What is it, 17 or 18 Federation members? I think it was 15. 15. Um, so they went to upgrade. This was like a long heralded upgrade that they were talking about. It was a hard fork and they were supposed to, and it gives them the ability to add and change, add and remove at will uh, without network downtime and the irony of it. Um, and the hard fork had a bug. And so they went down and then they had to fix it. But now I guess the hard fork uh, went through successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, I mean, obviously it highlights how centralized uh, Liquid is. Well, in the Liquid um, blog post, it, they tried to highlight, they said the patch would have been uh, released quicker uh, if if this was a more centralized system. The fact that we had to get it out to the uh, dozen plus functionaries and have them upgrade individually uh, is a product of the relative decentralization. I think that to be fair to Liquid, and so everything has trade-offs, right? Yeah, so the spectrum, right? Yeah. It's not it's not perfectly centralized where it's like Apple or Amazon just upgrading something to their whole system. Uh, it's not as distributed as Bitcoin. It's somewhere uh, between those two. Uh, it's relative, relatively more decentralized than the Amazon and Apple, Apples of the world, and relatively more or excuse me, less decentralized or distributed than, than the Bitcoin network at the protocol level. Yeah, I mean, and it also shows, uh, it shows like the, one of the dangers of hard forks um, because there wasn't any old, there wasn't any old uh, nodes that could continue when, when the, the new upgrade broke things. Um, so you're always extra vulnerable during hard fork periods because the only client that's sort of, the only client that can actually validate transactions are the new clients. Um, and then I guess on a positive note, no funds were lost. Yeah, we should note that um, no funds were lost. Um, it's just the network wasn't functioning. And here's how they diagnosed it in their, in their blog post. The root cause was determined to be a failing consistency check for the value of the consensus parameter sign block underscore witness underscore limit. In the liquid production network, this value is hard-coded in elements and included in the headers of the first DynaFed block. After DynaFed activation, the block signer calculates a value based on the size of the network and expects this value to match the value in the chain headers. The hard-coded value, uh, which was 1416, was inconsistent with the computed value, which came out to be 1325, causing six block signers to terminate on startup the other nine functionaries, so it is 15. Running an earlier version of the functionary software reported errors but did not terminate. The patch allowed value of sign block witness limit to be overridden in the production block signer configuration and set its values to that of the existing liquid chain. So uh, just a, a, a forced uh, consensus between those 15 uh, functionaries. Yep. The Lightning Network vulnerability worried me more than the liquid yeah so um, i was liquid so i don't you were you were liquid's biggest bull earlier this year 
You know, I like options. I think people should have options. I think Liquid, it's cool that it has confidential transactions on it where the amount is hidden. Um, I, but, you know, it can't be really used as a privacy tool unless more people are using it or if there's, uh, you know, specific privacy focused apps, you know, like, they're, like there's no coin join implementations on Liquid mm -hmm. yet. So, um, but I do encourage people to, to play with it, at least with small amounts and just see what's out, see what's out there. Right. And, yeah. uh, and the lack of a fee market is also, uh, you know, when you, when you can, when you can pay one sat per byte and you're sending a transaction for like 120 sats, um, on chain, <laughs> like there's way less reason for, for using something like that. I do. I, I think it's. It's part of the reason why I like state chains and I hope that state chains come out. All these different layer twos all have different trade-off balances. Um, and state chains we've talked about previously, like the big issue with state chains is if uh, the state chain coordinator, I guess, or the provider colludes with the counterparty, they can take your funds. Mm -hmm. um, with Liquid, if uh, if the federation, if the majority of the federation includes, they can take your funds. Um, and uh, but with both of them, what intrigues me is if we have a high fee market, right? Um, and fees are fees are substantially high for a decent amount of time on chain. There needs to be easier ways to basically consolidate small UTXOs in a privacy preserving way. Right. So oh, to me, always like the, one of the, what, what I th think would be really cool on something like liquid would be if there was like a, a wallet where you could, you know, you, you put your seed into the wallet, you have all your UTXOs there and a bunch of them are small UTXOs and you set a bunch of parameters like over the next two weeks, Mm -hmm. uh like if the fee in, hits this level no like peg in peg in these utxos into liquid at random intervals and then once they get into liquid because the confidential transactions you don't need equal amounts for coin join once it gets into liquid they do a bunch of coin joins automatically and then after a certain period of time that you set then it pegs back out to on-chain bitcoin and larger utxos because right now um, if you have a bunch of small UTXOs and you're worried about higher fees, making them uh, cost prohibitive, right? Like if fees go up and you have a small, small UTXO, it might, the fee might end up being more expensive than, you know, it might eat the whole transaction. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to make those bigger UTXOs in a privacy preserving way, because if you just consolidate the UTXOs, a lot of people will just put them all together to make one big transaction it obviously links all of those transactions together. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would like to see, and I think that's just something that will happen uh, if we do see a sustained high fee market, right? Like it needs to be a pain point. And if it becomes a pain point, then hopefully developers will, you know, build apps and tools for those specific use cases. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. You have to go explore those limits and then, find creative ways to to get around them i really like that idea though 
So you, you would just put a bunch of smaller UTXOs into Liquid, combine them on Liquid with confidential transactions, and peg out with larger UTXOs. I like that. Right, but if you just if you just do it yourself, you're really you're subject to a bunch of timing analysis, right? Like if and uh, if you can't just like naively combine them either, because then it's yeah. obvious as well. Because even yeah. though the amounts are blocked, the addresses are the same. So for the, something like that to work. You, you, you not only do you need to be doing it over like a random time period, an extended time period randomly, um, you need a bunch of people doing it because if, if just one person is, is just pegging into liquid, it's like kind of obvious that you're linking it together. And then you need coin join on the other side, on the liquid side, and you actually need people using that coin join on the other side. It can't just be like two people using it. Um, but uh, in my head, it seems like it could be a, a novel idea um, and, and that's also something that state chains could be helpful with with yeah. state chains, um, basically just pass along private keys. Right. But yeah, on the second uh, layer. exactly. But essentially like everything is, is basically blinded. So mm -hmm. you go in there, you do a bunch of, uh, mixing in the state chain and then you come back out and on both sides, you have it like a randomized timing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, if you guys want to learn more about state change, gosh, it's almost been a year since we did that interview with Tom from Mercury Wallet. I believe that was November yeah. of last year. We should uh, get him back on. We should. We should get an update. What's going on with Mercury? Tom, if you're listening, we'd love to have you back on. Um, the Lightning Network vulnerability. Uh, so I read through this. It's a bit confusing. So it has something to do with the dust limit. So if you open a channel with somebody and you put a UTXO that is smaller than uh, the dust limit that your counterparty in the channel is, has set, it creates some fuckery and allows funds to get locked up. I'm uh, not really properly versed on this one. Yeah. There's a couple of vulnerabilities. Uh, most of them seem like they were uh, like if, if you had a malicious peer, they could basically uh, burn your funds, but they couldn't mm -hmm. take your funds except for one case where if they were a minor as well, which is things that, that that threat model has been discussed previously, where if you have a large miner and they're also your peer um, on Lightning, they can do some fuckery. I believe it's patched now in LND v0.13.3 slash beta. And also Eclair released a new version. I don't know if C Lightning released a patch yet. I, I think all three were vulnerable. LND was the most vulnerable. Yeah, so... Uh, uh our boy Antoine Riard uh, took to the mailing list to, to re reveal the CVE. This was on Monday of this week. The vulnerabilities are expected to be patched in Eclair version 0.6.2 plus, LND version 0.13.3, and LDK version 0.0.102. The vulnerabilities are also affecting C Lightning. Um, so I don't know if C Lightning has a patch yet as of Monday at least. But I mean, on the bright side, I mean, this is what we've... Uh... First of all, I appreciate them, you know, stress testing the network and doing responsible disclosures. Um, yeah, this is what Antoine and uh, Lebnomenko have been working on. They're, they basically set up a, a company to attack the Lightning Network to highlight these pain points. And these but this is something we've talked about previously. I mean, like the Lightning Network has grown extremely fast, but it's still very new. Um, and it, it does oftentimes feel like it hasn't really lived in an adversarial environment yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've I've still been waiting just for like my lightning channels to get emptied. 
um, and it hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. So that's good, at least. Yeah. But, uh, update, update your your lightning nodes if you have a lightning node. Yeah. And, I, believe, uh, I believe this had something specific to do with the bolt specification too. Is that correct? I, I'm not sure, man. I'm I'm exhausted, and this was all happening. I was like, I hope I didn't lose any money. And then I checked my <laughs> node, and I didn't lose. I checked my nodes. I didn't lose any money, and I just updated them. And uh, we'll we'll talk more about it next week. I'll I'll look into it more, and we'll talk more about it next week. But in the meantime, if you're running a Lightning node, update. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I read through the disclosure. I mean, these guys are so fucking smart. Like, even though if they like put it out in plain terms, I'm like, ah, oh, what the fuck's going on here? It's like. I'm happy that we have smart people like this working on Bitcoin and Lightning. Next on the list, we have El Salvador starts mining with volcano energy using that geothermal. I'm sure you've seen uh, President Bukele uh, hit to Twitter to troll everybody else in the world about the fact that the government is mining Bitcoin using geothermal from the volcano. I do have one critique of the mining operation. There's a containerized air-cooled mining op. President Bukele, if you're listening, you're going to want to dump those ASICs in cooling immersion liquid at some point. Being that close to the salt air is going to rust out those machines, and they're not going to last as long as you'd like them to. That's all I'd say. Yeah, the, the liquid cooling setups are super cool. Immersion, mining. Um, not only but cool, yeah. but necessary in certain environments. And I would argue that an environment very close to the ocean is one of those. Um, I mean, the coolest part, I mean, at least for like a home mining perspective is, is the sound, the lack of sound, um, which is a massive, massive improvement if uh, you're mining in your home. Um, it also makes it much easier to capture the waste heat. So like I had coin heated at coin heated um, on dispatch and like he heats his family's pool with it um, so like in the middle of the winter I forget where he lives he lives somewhere cold like really cold in the middle of winter like his pool is just steaming hot it's just uh, <laughs> it's all free waste heat from his uh, ASIC rigs yeah. um, but pow power to El Salvador for actually following through with this uh, it seems like it's very much a proof of concept still yeah so that's what like... makes sense that they went with the air cooling yeah. He like posted, did you see like he posted like his mining pool dashboard? Yeah, he had like he had like two hundred thousand sats in it and people were like shitting on him. Like you only have we're yeah, you only have like two hundred and fifty six dollars worth of Bitcoin. It's like, come on, people, he's testing it out. Like But it's funny, like we're all humans, right? It's like uh like a a whole miner seeing their first payouts come in and or a president of a country seeing like their first few payments coming in and it gives you the same kind of joy. Yeah. I need to screenshot this and share it with the world on Twitter. Did you recognize which mining pool that was? Which mining pool dashboard it was? It definitely wasn't a slush pool. Um, I forget. And he cropped it out, so you can't. You can't. I wonder what pool they're using. But uh, maybe pooling. I don't expect him to disclose it, nor should he. But no, I wonder. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't seen that that UI either. Um, yeah. They're mining. They're doing it. They're putting uh, putting skin in the game, as, uh, as some people would say. They're, they're, they're out there. They're mining. Uh, and like we said earlier, mining's coming back with a vengeance. It's, uh, again, one of the biggest stress tests in Bitcoin's history with uh, China forcing the miners out. Uh, not only the Bitcoin passed the stress test, it seems to be passing with flying colors. We're approaching... Uh, 
the all-time high in hash rate that, that was reached earlier this year. Just crazy to see how quickly and dynamic the Bitcoin network is. Like we, Matt and I, uh, we had our our uh, we do every semester. We we join uh, Charles Huang uh, in his class at Brew College. Uh, we do we do like a, a we just talk with him for like an hour and a half. And we we did that this morning. That was one of the questions that was brought up was uh, the possibility of fifty one percent attack. And I think I think it's it's waning, uh, especially after the summer. It's become uh, yeah very. That, that- that drop of hash and then the recovery of the hash is like the most bullish fucking thing ever. Right. And it's definitely not priced in yet. No, no. seems like people are starting to price some things in though. We've had, we've had a little upward pressure on price. There was a lot of green candles earlier this week. We've uh, consolidated around the mid $50,000, right? Or 50, between 54 and 55. It was last. happening. It was pumping during uh, the Oslo freedom forum and me and Gladstein were joking around that it was the freedom pump. <laughs> the best I like kind that. of pump. Freedom Pump. Um, all right, what do we got next here on the list? Binance hired two former IRS investigators. Lovely. One worked on Mount Cox and the other one worked on Silk Road. And one of them worked on... Uh, who is that? Uh, the centralized mixing service. Uh, the custodial mixing service. Uh, Helix. The one, Helix, the one in Ohio? Yeah. Okay. So they hired like two of the major heavyweights uh, investigators, federal investigators for uh, these Bitcoin operations. And now they're top dogs at finance. Their, uh, their new titles is uh, vice president of global intelligence and investigations while price will serve as a senior director of investigations. So it seems like Binance is doing investigations on its customers. Uh, uh coins off the exchange freaks and don't don't play in the shitcoin casino it's not worth it and, and while we're another on another example of just a revolving door right like just yeah government agents just coming in for their payday and oh, yeah. these exchanges like just being complicit in the whole thing yeah i know this works um another qu- question i was asked uh, on the red line radio show on the barstool chicago guys yesterday was uh uh they asked uh, whether or not institutions you know, buying up a lot of bitcoin and holding it would be bad for the network number one no um and number two the free float of bitcoin like outside that is on exchanges or the amount of bitcoin on exchanges is we constantly have to remind ourselves it's not that many bitcoin like so one of the biggest this is a tweet from mr hoddle earlier this morning who was quote tweeting uh, a tweet from Lyle Pratt, who's a, an Austin native, somebody I have to meet up with. Lyle tweeted, traders fighting over less than 15% of the Bitcoin supply. Some portion of that already off the market. Keep it simple, folks. Alluding to just stack, stay humble, stack sats, I believe. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions is Mr. Hoddle's quote tweet, uh, is that majority of Bitcoin will be held with custodians, not realizing that over 16 million coins are already held in self-custody. We are so early. This is just another reason that without a fast distribution in the early days, Bitcoin would have been captured. Good luck banning self-custody when a majority of the ecosystem hasn't been captured. So uh, as much as we talk about getting your coins off exchanges, which you should definitely do, it is always surprising to remind ourselves that there is a lot of Bitcoin in in personal custody. To be fair, uh, there's a little bit of nuance there. I mean, uh, like Glassnode and these other 
analysis platforms that that follow exchange balances, uh, they don't track the regulated custodians. So like, I mean, you mentioned the institutions, uh, the institutions are holding it with regulated custodians. Sometimes they're even holding it with like Coinbase custody. Um, so like, the, for instance, like the amount held by Coinbase is significantly higher than like Glassnode would report it as. Um, I think they're probably like at like 1.2 million. 1.8? You think 1.8? Just Coinbase alone, Coinbase Exchange and custody. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I think institutions holding coins, like the, the worst they could do is uh, just dump the price short term. Um, to me, the bigger risk is like these large corporate miners, uh, especially the ones, you know, located in America. I would say um, them gobbling up hash rate could be a threat. I don't, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a uh, existential right now. Well, it's not like a pressing threat. It seems like they're not going to have a significant majority of the hash rate, but if they were to, that could be a threat versus institutions holding Bitcoin. We're not a proof of stake system. You know, it doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you own. You don't have more power over the network. Yeah. Completely agreed. And it's, uh, I'm bullish. I, I don't want to dox anybody or give up. I talked with a gentleman last week while I, while I was in Nashville who is uh, f- helping with El Salvador's onboarding, and not El Salvador's, but the companies that need to uh, accept Bitcoin due to the, the new legal tender law in El Salvador. And I was very happy to learn uh, the stack in which they're using to to onboard these <laughs> these multinational uh, conglomerates on the Bitcoin. Uh, they're not going. All I'll say is it's not like Coinbase custody at all. They're they're somewhat forcing the hand of these conglomerates to do self custody, which I'm happy to see. I think I think we'll see a lot of innovation emerge from these. Uh, emerging and developing economies, the Bitcoiners in these areas doing it right. I was just very happy to see that um, that people are doing it right and forcing these large corporations to self-custody. I mean, even if you don't, uh, if you're a large corporation and you don't, you know, you're like too scared to self-custody, I would like to see more of them move to like collaborative custody models. Yeah, I think, and Um, so that's, I think that's, that was part of their model as a bit of a collaborative custody. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful to see. Uh, we're going to break here for shout outs. We only have one shout out this week, but I think it's a, it's a pretty good one. It's one that scared me and sent shivers down my spine. Marty, is there something wrong? Have you been sick lately? I'm trying to do an accent. I can't do it. Have you been sick lately or gotten kicked in the head by a mule? Because I have no idea why you keep asking me every week who I am. You know who I am. I've been at every birthday party as you grew up. There's really no reason you should continue to ask who I am and what I am trying to do. I'm trying to do the same thing I told you I was going to do when you were little, kleiner, young, running around in Lederhosen. I told you back when you were stark und gastohend that only... The only way to push the world away from the dollar hegemony is to replace it with something better. So please do not forget I bought your first Bitcoins. Love, Uncle Klaus. Oh, it was Klaus Schwab. Yeah, Klaus, he's a freak. He's listening. Oh, boy. 
I forgot that he bought me my first Bitcoins. Thank you, Uncle Klaus. Can you please stop creeping out the rest of the world. I was confused at first. I thought maybe it was it was your FBI agent, but no, he's listening to. He's he's been DMing me, telling me to to chill out, <laughs> chill out about everything. It seems that uh, more mainstream people are are getting uh getting the Bitcoin tip too. I saw Candace Owens tweeting about it. I mean, particularly like conservative tilting, quote unquote, influencers. Um, well, I mean, I'll tell you, man, after, after it's so, it's such an interesting, uh, we really are very privileged in the Western world. And when, you know, at the Human Rights Foundation, Oslo Freedom Forum, um, like these activists, like you don't have to explain why like Bitcoin is needed. They already experience it. You know, their bank accounts get closed. All their transactions are being tracked. You know, they're getting arrested left and right. Um, and I expect that to happen in the Western world, uh, but, you know, obviously to a lesser degree, uh, it'll probably be more of a slow ramp. We already see it happening, right? People's getting their bank accounts frozen, getting kicked out of the financial system. Um, so like, as this need becomes apparent for a, uh, censorship resistant money, um, that's independent of governments. Uh, people are going to naturally come in and we need to just have the education and tools ready for them so that they can, you know, follow their own journey once they realize the need. I really, I really do believe that we don't need to convince people to buy or use Bitcoin. Yeah, the utility um, is undeniable. They'll figure out the need eventually. And we just need to be ready for them when they actually figure out the need. Agreed. Agreed. If you build it, they will come. And that's one thing uh, Gladstein was actually telling to me last night. And it, it was very, uh, I don't want to say surprise, but it was a very interesting observation he made where at the Oslo Freedom Forum event, it wasn't financial journalists coming to uh, cover Bitcoin. It was uh, freedom fighters, journalists, uh, activist journalists, uh, people covering a human struggle around the world who are coming to cover this event particularly and they were automatically receptive to bitcoin at least from alex's observations he was like it's not financial journalists just trying to shit on bitcoin because it's it's not uh, their toy that they like um it was human rights activist journalist uh very happy that bitcoin exists because it's providing utility for these people that they're they're cheering for uh, yeah, it was a super humbling experience and I, it was inspirational. It was very humbling. It gave, you know, I just, we need, I just, we need to do better in all the things and it just, but it really reinforced to me, you know, how important all these open source tools and developers are, you know, Bitcoin included, but also the open source tools tangential to Bitcoin, like encryption and Tor and whatnot um, that, that help empower individuals because like i said it just it's so it's so fucking dark and the the fight is real it's happening now this is not theoretical and it really does feel like open source is is the hope open source is 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 the is the are the tools that we can actually use to to improve the world for the better um and it also gave me a while we're on the topic i mean when I first started working with them in 2019, like it's easy with rabbit hole recap. We do it every week. Like get caught a little bit in this, like 
not necessarily like the shit corner perspective like bitcoin never changes but like where you get like frustrated that like oh maybe like you don't have apps that you know could be the apps could be better or this could be better or the wallets could be better uh like when will they improve them um it's like easy to get stuck in that hole on a week to week basis but when you look back like two years ago like moon with two moon wallet with two used didn't exist like blue wallet i don't think existed yet sparrow wallet didn't exist samurai was in beta you know wasabi had just barely launched uh lightning was like a dream still there definitely wasn't any like mobile lightning wallets that were very easy to use that were non-custodial um we've come such a fucking long way in two years yeah when I you mean, actually look back on it it's crazy it is insane it's happening at a rapid pace again you have the combination of the tools that, that these developers are using to build these applications getting better and easier to use than the applications themselves just getting exponentially better like yesterday i wrote about in the bent um over uh in prague what's that per perlini polis that that crypt uh cypherpunk uh yep. conference per perlini polis i believe it's called i'm butchering it right now but they they had a demo of an nfc or like a lightning payment that leverages ln url uh, specifically ln url withdrawal the functionality of that with the ln bits app to enable nfc payments over the lightning network it was a little jam like if you read the thread uh that i shared in the newsletter yesterday the implementation is a little janky but it's a good proof of concept of, like you can make the ux of bitcoin extremely easy like over things like nfc like with these technologies that are being built on on lightning so i believe the way it works is ln url withdrawal allows you to uh basically determine a set amount uh of bitcoin that you're willing to spend um from in a in a one spend condition and so they were able to put that on an nfc enabled device yeah, the nice thing about nfc is nfc is super cheap it's in all our phones already. It's in all the payment, like all the new payment processor terminals already have them. All those credit card terminals already have them. Um, you don't, you don't need a battery or power to use it. Um, the only thing missing is basically a static, a static invoice ability. Um, and that's, you know, besides just like reusing addresses, you don't want to like reuse static addresses. Um, so that's where things like pay nims on chain come into help. That's where LNURL comes into help uh, on Bolt, Lightning. Bolt 12. Bolt, when Bolt 12, if Bolt 12 gets implemented, that'll be the holy grail because right now LNURL, while great, um, requires you to have a 24 7 web server up uh, if, if you're receiving LNURL payments or giving one of those withdrawal LNURL uh, invoices. So with bolt 12 it's just it's a static it's a static qr code it's a static invoice uh so it's either static qr code or static text string and it's just completely lightning native you don't need to run an additional web server so hopefully we see that get implemented soon well i believe and the new cold card's gonna have nfc on it too yeah yeah uh, rodolfo was at your bingo boards he was uh, demoing uh using nfc to to sign a psbt uh, which makes it easy if you use NFC to do that, just like completely makes the user experience 
of using a cold card to do a PSBT exponentially better instead of having to sign on the SD card, take it out of your device, move it, or or construct a contract a transaction on a computer, take the SD card, put it in your device, sign the the transaction, take the SD card out, put it back in the computer, broadcast the transaction, the NFC uh, functionality makes it exponentially better. Um, there's a lot less transferring of that SD card. In fact, there's probably none. Um, and if you guys are interested about uh, LNURL, LNBits, and just really cool experiments going on on the Lightning Network with those technologies, specifically a follow uh, that I've recently found who's been putting out really cool content and demos is uh, Ben Arc on Twitter. That's ARCBTC. This is at is his handle, A at ARCBTC. He's been yeah, he's the lead maintainer of Ellen uh, Bits. Yeah, he's been putting out some dope demos. I, I can't believe it took me this long to find They also it. have Ellen Bits has an offline mode. I, I assume it requires some trust because you can't actually, you need to actually check the network to make sure the payment got settled. But uh, he he got it so it can it can work offline, at least for small amounts. Yeah. If you're willing to have some trust there. Yeah. Ben, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Or if anybody knows Ben, wants to pass the message along, let him know. I'll probably DM him too. Um, on the software updates, Blue Wallet version 6.2.9 has been released. As always, Matt, stop me. When you uh, notice something, I don't know if you've been too busy this week to, to pick up on anything. But Electris version 0.9.0 has been released LND version 0.13.3 beta has been released again with that CVE. You probably want to upgrade your lightning nodes. Um, if you're running LND, uh, that is available to you. Umbrella version 0.4.3 has been released. Join market version 0.9.2 has been released uh, with that join box version 0.6.1 has been released. Sparrow wallet version 1.5.1 has been released in Eclair. Version 0.6.2 has been released. As always, we'll have those links in the show notes if you're running those software, any of these software projects. Uh, consider updating. Um, these, these updates are available. Thank you for the archive link for this, for this topic. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, Chain Analysis did analysis of ransomware payments. Um, and they've been working with OFAC, it seems, and this, this archive article. It's titled, OFAC highlights the importance of ransomware prevention and reporting in latest advisory. Um, and they, they have a nice chart in here of the ransomware, uh, the growth of ransomware in US dollar terms. It's gone from $505.9 thousand dollars in 2013 to 2020 to the all-time high, $422.1 million. And as of right now, in 2021, there have been a $258.6 million worth of a ransomware attack. So these payouts are just... Uh, Those are payouts. Yeah. Or at least known payouts. Some of these companies pay ransomware without disclosing it. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, chain analysis is one of the main surveillance uh, mercenary firms in the space. Um, so I think it was a mix of disclosures, but also them watching known payout addresses. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at it, it's just number go up, you know, it's, it's, uh, you see that graph, it's just going up pretty quick. 
Yeah, ransomware payouts rose more than 300% from 2019 to 2020 when they reached over $400 million worth of cryptocurrency based on available data. data ransomware attackers show no signs of slowing down in 2021. And so we need part to take of that away. reason. Part of that reason is because of uh, there's these new ransomware gangs that are basically offering like ransomware as a service. So like you don't have to be a very technical uh, hacker to attack someone with ransomware. You just use this like out of the box tool. You do the ransomware and then um, the the tool maker gets a a cut of the of the ransomware profits hey ransomware for service this is another interesting part of the the report ofac is recommending not to pay the the ransomware uh, payments and i think the us government proposed a new law that uh is going to force companies to disclose if they pay yeah so new and OFAC guidance is the explicit recommendation that companies not pay ransom or extortion demands. OFAC cites concerns that companies that facilitate ransomware payments on behalf of victims not only encourage future ransomware payment demands, but also may risk violating OFAC regulations. Further ransomware payments may threaten U.S. national security interests by enabling criminals and adversaries with a sanctions nexus to profit and advance their illicit aims. OFAC advises that the U.S. government strongly discourages all private companies and citizens from paying ransom or extortion demands and recommends focusing on strengthening defense and resilience measures to prevent and protect against ransomware attacks, which you got to give credit where credit is due. That is probably That's exactly what they working. should do. <laughs> yeah. 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 The secondary part, but the first part is ridiculous. I mean, uh, one of the reasons why these ransomware attackers have been so successful is because they usually make their ransomware requirements relatively affordable and they scale it depending on who they attack. Yeah, apparently um, they, they do a lot very, of research on the insurance that you have, right? And they try to get it. Well, sometimes what they do is, so like the hacker compromises your system, right? And like the normal ransomware attack is then they encrypt everything and then they hold the encryption key hostage until you pay them. Right. So when they hack you, a lot of times they'll they'll look at financial documents and they hack you to see how much they're going to charge you. Um, and then there's a new breed of ransomware where they'll actually steal customer data, too. And they'll threaten it. So then it's not just getting your data back. It's also uh, used as an additional threat that if you don't pay us, we'll leak this data or we'll sell this data. And unfortunately, um, well, first of all, I mean, companies should be securing their stuff more. They should be securing their shit better. Um, and they're learning the hard way. Uh, the second thing is, yeah, I, 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 I got distracted earlier, but it's important to realize that most of the time, if you pay your ransomware, they actually will follow through with it because they want to have a good reputation. They want people to actually pay them. And then the third thing is like, unfortunately, it feels like the way we're going here is they're going to use these ransomware attacks as a reason to increase KYC requirements and, you know, have, have more what does that have to do with anything? and more personal information held. And then it's a, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit feedback loop because then all these companies are holding more personal information. So then the ransomware attacks become more profitable. Yeah, and then they increase the, yeah they like, they're making bigger honeypots. And then so the ransomware becomes even more profitable for them. Um, so it's really counterintuitive and you, you just hate to see it. Well, hey, Matt, don't worry. President Joe Biden and 30 other 
leaders are, are gathering to jointly crack down on ransomware gangs behind a barrage of attacks impacting organizations worldwide. This month, the United States will bring together 30 countries to accelerate our cooperation in combating cybercrime, improving law enforcement collaboration, stemming the illicit use of cryptocurrency and engaging in these issues diplomatically, President Biden said. We are also participating closely with nations around the world on these shared threats, including our NATO allies and G7 partners. I am committed to strengthening our cyber security by hardening our critical infrastructure against cyber attacks, disrupting ransomware networks, working to establish and promote clear rules of the road for all nations in cyberspace and making clear we will hold accountable those that threaten our security. Joe Biden is here to save the day. The one sort of line in here that really worries me is working to establish and promote clear rules of the road for all nations in cyberspace. Seems like uh, an entry to more strict rules on the internet, if you will. Yeah, we already see, I think in Australia and some other countries, they like require IDs to set up certain accounts and stuff like that, social media accounts. Um, it's definitely extremely troubling. Um, in America, we do have some constitutional protections. So I don't think like VPNs or Tor are going to get outlawed in America. Uh, that would be the real, that would get really dark really quickly. Um, so there's only so much they can do in terms of trying to close off the open internet uh, without completely infringing our rights. But, you know, you never really know. Um, you never really know how far uh, some of these governments will go. Uh, it, it, it will be, it obviously hurts your law-abiding citizens the most. Because uh, once again, you're just creating more honeypots and you're just creating more attack vectors. I would say that this is, you know, the rise of ransomware and the rise of cyber attacks. I mean, Facebook just recently disclosed that I think 1.8 billion customers' uh, personal information got hacked, um, which is, that's that's 5x the population of the United States. That's a quarter of the um, fucking world. I would say that this is something that I've theorized for a while and expected for a while, because this is very, it's very new. You know, we, we've never had so much of our lives digitized and, and put on the internet um, and stored on these servers insecurely. Um, so like as more of our lives become digital, um, these hacks are going to get bigger and bigger. And eventually people will start to learn and they'll start self-hosting and they'll start seeking out privacy tools they'll start encrypting their data and they'll start protecting themselves but first you know people need to touch the stove and get burned before they start to realize the need so ultimately i think long term i'm very optimistic uh that we have better privacy tools and that we have more people using them and we have better privacy education because the pain will get so bad that you know people will realize that, that need Agreed. Agreed. But between here and there, uh, I have a feeling the politicians and the governments are going to try to fuck things up. Again, criminals are going to criminal. You're just like throwing more laws at this shit is not uh, going to make life better or reduce crime materially. You probably need better boots on the ground, investigators and, and law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement's got very lazy in, in the digital age. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of Facebook, right? They had, I guess it goes in the theme. You had the ransomware stuff, um, and, which is an easy attack vector for Bitcoin. Um, they'll use it as a, a tool that's enabling these ransomwares and try to drive fear into you, like Bitcoin's bad, it's doing all this. Again, it's not 
again, props where props are due. Happy to see that OFAC is recommending that companies and entities uh, uh, bolster their security, their digital security. That's what you should be doing. That's what these ransomware attacks are actually incentivizing is for people to have better uh, system admin security. So get working on that. Do it before it's too late, before you get ransomware attacked. Uh, and then, so that's one thing, the ransomware. And then I guess Facebook went down this week. And it, when, did you follow that at all? I know you were in Miami. You were probably very busy, but uh, that was, was during the HRF thing too. Yeah, it was a big story. It was interesting. Like liquid so, went down and Facebook went down. Yeah. And, and lightning out of vulnerability. I was like, I can't yeah. deal with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. They were down for a considerable amount of time. I think most of the day, either Monday or Tuesday. Um, and just another, and, and then they had that whistle. It was Supposedly so like Facebook employees couldn't even get into their offices. Yeah, their it was badges, all digital key cards. Yeah, their badges weren't even working. So, uh, yeah, pretty bad fuck up on their part. Is the this, is this cyber pandemic upon us? We shall see. Facebook had you a know, I don't think it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it was as like a coordinated, uh, conspiracy i you know i i think that this is the issue with centralized third parties trusted third parties this is why bitcoin needs to be distributed and robust and our tools should be self-hosted um but i do believe that as these outages increase as hacks increase as attacks increase um it will be used as an excuse to you know, to have more burdensome laws that just hurt law-abiding citizens. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating I mean, to see. But I think with this Facebook thing, it wasn't even a hack, right? It was just they fucked up something on their end. Yeah, they had an outage. I mean, there was apparently like their URLs were, were available for sale on DNS providers. But it wasn't really. Point. It just looked like they were. Like you couldn't actually. Yeah, yeah they so, I think I think that's what it was. Someone got fucked up with their DNS certificates or something like that and took down their whole network uh but so that was separate from the night before or two nights before i forget it was monday or tuesday where on 60 minutes he had this facebook whistleblower i missed uh, that completely yeah it, it seems like a very coordinated this seems like more coordinated conspiracy uh i mean she went from 60 minutes to meeting with congress the next day to being verified on twitter after joining and having like 56,000 followers in the day. Uh, and then Facebook came out and said, well, not that we like that she's whistleblowing, but we agree with her. We, we think that Congress should enact laws that that uh, basically bring us closer to what Australia has with, with strict identity online. Um, and it gives Facebook a regulatory moat because yeah. it's harder for competitors to pop up because Facebook can comply with it easier. They already have large legal teams that yeah. are on their payroll. Tons yeah, of it's, money them. it's almost too good to be true. I mean, the memes that have been coming out from uh, around this woman's quote unquote whistleblowing are hilarious. Uh, I like completely the, missed all of that. I like saw it briefly. Yeah, it seems like a big CIA psyop. Like the fact that like she came out like and she her, she was blowing the whistle on things that are like everybody knows that they're using algorithms to manipulate people's actions and stuff like that. It's like we, everybody fucking knows that. Like there's nothing shocking. That you're really revealing um and then like again well anyway like, freaks use social media less yeah delete your friends your accounts i i know i'm a little bit guilty on twitter but it's the only one i use but uh yeah I same use it less i deleted facebook years ago and my life 
I don't do not miss it at all. I couldn't even tell you what Facebook looks like these days at the UI. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, 60 minutes on Capitol Hill, Facebook coming out and say, oh, we're, we're pissed you whistle blue, but like, yeah, we think you guys should enact laws. It's like, eh, well, 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 too good to be true in your Uncle Marty's, uh, in your Uncle Marty Jones's tinfoil hat world. Um, the US, we didn't talk about this yet. The U.S. Justice Department launches a new initiative around cryptocurrencies. Uh, it's also you know, ransomware focused. Yeah, so it's coming from all angles. Every angle, man. It really does feel like the heat is on right now. Bring it. Bring it's on the heat. heat. Unsettling. Bring on the heat. Bring on the heat. Um, bring it. I think Bitcoin, again, like the, the experience you had earlier this week in Miami, uh, it's just highlighting it is a human rights tool. If you want to respect human rights and enable individuals and empower individuals to have freedom in the digital age, Bitcoin is probably the most powerful tool uh, protecting that right now. Here in Texas, we have a lot of people meeting right now in Austin talking about how Bitcoin and the energy industry are merging. Like, I think you're getting too many, like, bring on the fight. I think we have merit behind our arguments for Bitcoin. And again, it's a human rights tool. It's going to make us more energy efficient. It's sound money in the digital age. It's distributed. It's open source. It's fair. Let's meet on the battlefield of ideas and, and talk about the merit. Is, is it worth throwing this technology out because some people are using it for things like ransomware attacks? Certainly not. Uh, I think the benefits far, 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 far outweigh any cons. Um, and you can actually argue that ransomware in the long run is probably a benefit because it incentivizes the the, the bolstering of security of, of our digital companies and our, our systems. It's like a free market bug bounty program. Exactly. Last but not least on the list, we uh, make you freaks aware every month when this comes out, uh, Janine's this month, Bitcoin privacy came out. Obviously, it's the beginning of October, so that dropped earlier this week. No, uh, it was a little bit delayed because of uh, she presented with me at HRF. Me, it was me, Evan, and her. How was she doing? She she killed it. She always kills it. She was remote. She was a proper privacy advocate. She was remote audio only. We were both sitting there with our faces. Complete view. <laughs> she's uh she's got nine stories that she covered from the month of September. Uh, we're gonna link to that in the show notes. Uh, always go check that out. All right, that was that. That's all we got for the list today. It was tight. A lot of technical talk today. Yeah, I'm glad it was tight, man. I have, I still have a busy day left. Yeah, well, I, uh, I spent seven hours yesterday, and probably about the same amount of time. I'm like halfway through my day today, uh, with the Bitcoin Magazine guys planning the conference at Bitcoin 2022, April 6th to 9th. It's gonna be fucking ridiculous. It's gonna be absolutely ridiculous, um, and. Uh, on the open source side, to make up for the lessons we've learned from the FOSS dome, uh, instead of a dome, it's going to have open source devs are going to have a dedicated conference hall. Yeah, that was an open source sweatshop, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's open source, uh, open source dev stage, open source stage, uh, 2,000 person capacity. Um, as usual, you know, all speakers are going to get free free tickets and uh if you're if you don't want to speak but you're an open source uh contributor specifically 
uh, right now, Bitcoin Core, if you're a Bitcoin Core contributor who's done a commit before October 1st so that there's no spam commits, um, they're giving out free tickets uh, to them and they're going to start launching um, every month. They're going to announce a new project that they're going to do that for. So it's really cool. They um, really want to embrace the open source community and support them. Uh, very exciting. And uh, I also saw the ticket price increases. Uh, so if, if, if you, if you want to join us, you should, you should probably buy your tickets sooner rather than later. And they did release a code. It was a uh, 1 trillion, uh, the number 1 trillion, uh, which is a 21% off code, which is the largest code I've seen to date. Um, so if you're considering it, use that code, that's a b.tc slash conference, but, uh, some crazy shit. I'm excited to talk more about it, but you know, a lot of it's uh, tight lipped right now. Are, are we going to get better, better stage presence? Like, is Kevin O'Leary going to be in the air conditioned, uh, in the comfort of air conditioning, or are we still going to be? I loved our stage last year. I thought our stage was dope for Rabbit Hole Recap. But yeah, we're going to do Rabbit Hole Recap again, uh, live there, uh, third year in a row. I mean, skipping the COVID year, uh, skipping 2020. They, I, it's, they still don't get enough credit for having a 13,000 person conference with no mask mandates, no vaccine passports. You could register with a NIM in the middle of in the middle of all the COVID hysteria. Um, but yeah, we're going to do rabbit hole recap live there. It's, it's being held at the, at the Miami yeah. beach convention center, which was across the street, uh, from the new world center, which is where HRF held their event. Uh, so I saw the convention center, it's fucking massive. So it's all, you know, all inside air conditioned. Um, it has like 120,000 person capacity, I believe. Um, so yeah they're they're doing it big and they're doing it right it should be a quite quite the bitcoin only conference oh and uh you mentioned kevin o'leary um our boy p uh is doing uh he's in charge of programming sweet i'm working with him so uh i think the programming this year and the speaker agendas and like the schedule and stuff is going to be absolutely insane and i think people will be very impressed by it so Look out for look out for those announcements. Two hundred K by conference day? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Not falling into that trap again. <laughs> we will find out. Well, Matthew, I know you have to get on freaks. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I know we've been off schedule the last three weeks. We will be back Thursday next week. Uh, yeah, we love back you, freaks. And if you're gonna be in Austin in two weeks, we're gonna be doing a live show um, before true. before the Austin Bit Devs. So how are we going to do that? Are we doing like tickets for that? Are we going to, I don't know. We got to talk to the Unchained guys. Yeah. Doing it at their offices. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be with them tonight. So I'll brainstorm some ideas with them. But I, I don't want to live stream it. So if you want to see it, you should come to the, you should come to the event. Um, obviously it'll be posted to the podcast feed afterwards, but if you want the authentic experience, you should come to the event. Yes. Maybe we'll sell tickets and just contribute to open source with them. I'll be down for that. Like include beer and then uh, like any any profit after that just goes to open source. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm down to do that. Um, awesome. Well, I love you, bro. And I'll see you soon. And I love you, Freaks. And stay almost sets. Love you too, brother. Thank you, Freaks, as always. If you're liking the content, please like, subscribe, share, rate, review, whatever. Want to buy a shout out tftc.io slash contribute 
We do this week in and week out because we think it's imperative that we get quality Bitcoin information out there. I hope you're liking the information. I hope you're picking up what we're putting down. Thank you for joining us. Peace and love.